0: Hi and welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy. And you are listening to Full Metal Pod. So how's your past week been since we last recorded?
1: My past week has been pretty, pretty good. You know, still enjoying the new laptop. Uh, Just trying to find uh, some new movies to watch. I've been trying to make every weekend like a new movie day.
0: That makes sense. What uh, what movies have you managed to find?
1: Well, um, yesterday I watched the movie Love and Monsters with Dylan O'Brien and um, one of my friends posted on his Instagram and he said it was a pretty good movie. So I decided to check it out. You can't really beat $6 for a, brand, a new movie. So I, I enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend Love and Monsters. It has some pretty cool looking monsters in it.
0: I'll have to give it a shot then. I, I can't think of... Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of it or I'm familiar with it. So that would definitely be an interesting thing for me to watch.
1: I I think it was supposed to be released in March of this year, around when the pandemic started, like, really kicked off. So I believe maybe they didn't do any advertising for it because they knew that it wasn't going to be able to hit theaters. And then I know it went to early access, and now it's kind of just in, like, that regular um, rental price of uh around six bucks
0: gotcha cool well if it's that cheap then i might as well give it a shot i'm always looking for interesting things to watch
1: yeah and it um it's Dylan o'brien and i don't know if you're familiar with him he's in those uh maze runner movies and he got hit by a car i believe making the last maze runner movie and that's why it took so long to get out and he had to like a whole bunch of recovery was involved and People were worried he wasn't going to be able to act again. So it's really cool seeing him in, in new movies and still kind of playing this action character. But every time I see him, I do think about, man, that guy was hit by a car in a stunt thing on the movie Maze Runner.
0: I guess at least he got back. I, I had no idea. Like I, I knew Maze Runner was a film or a series or something, but I knew almost nothing about it. I didn't bother to see it or anything. I, the the yay the YA stuff is just like whatever, but uh, but yeah. I mean, to me anyway, I think Hunger Games might be the only young adult uh thing that I really got into, at any point in time. But but yeah, I, I man, if he got if he bounced back from a car accident like that, like like not just a car accident, but like being hit by a car, man, you know, t- my hats off to him.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. I actually know him from the TV show Teen Wolf on MTV because I'm a big, if there's a werewolf in anything, I'm down to watch it. I'm a big fan of werewolves. So if there's a werewolf in your show, I'm probably going to check it out and then be a fan of your show. So any producers out there, if you want me, throw a werewolf in your show. But that's where I know I'm from.
0: Ah, okay, cool. Well, I'll give this movie a try then. Maybe this weekend. Maybe next weekend. Uh, since I've got like a four day weekend next weekend, I'll probably do it next weekend. But hey, uh, they'll still be giving me something to do. Dog and I can just sit and watch it.
1: Yeah, next next weekend is a uh, next week is Christmas. Uh, Christmas Day. I didn't. It's it's dawning on me slowly.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard to realize because it just seems like at this point in time, all the days kind of run together. But yeah, it's it's Christmas. It's a new, new uh, holiday, I guess. And a lot of us are going to get four-day weekends, three-day weekends, whatnot over it. Um, you know, it's to me, actually, I mean, it's nice to take a break. But at the same time, it's just kind of weird because working from home, it's like, you know, you're you sleep where you work, where you, you know, everything. So it's it's just like, it seems like everything's kind of run together and then we're kind of in a lockdown again here in the Bay area or in San Francisco anyway. Some, I think a few of the counties aren't, but yeah. So it's just like, mm, whatever.
1: Yeah. I just, I feel like I haven't gotten my dose of Christmas in because you know, you're usually out and about going Christmas shopping at the mall or going to stores and you hear Christmas music, and you see Christmas tree displays and sweaters. And this is the this week is the first week that I actually put on a Christmas song. So I'm very late to the party and getting to the Christmas mood. I haven't watched a single Christmas movie yet.
0: You have me beat. I have now. I did get a Christmas tree, and this is the first one I've had in like a decade because I just never bothered to uh, do Christmas trees for a while. Uh, I don't know. I just It was just one of those things, like, once I moved out and everything, I just didn't care. Uh, but now I'm like, you know what? It's been such a crummy year. Let me do something kind of festive uh, with, you know, staying home and no travel and all that stuff. And, you know, just the stress of everything and hearing the news all the time. So I'm like, you know what? It's been a crummy year. Let me do something, like, nice. Let's be the first year in a while that I've done a Christmas tree. But I have not listen to any Christmas music yet and I think I need to do that
1: I realize I only really like what is it like four Christmas songs and the rest I I I mean I'll listen to them but I could care less about them it's like last Christmas I enjoy all I want for Christmas I like Feliz Navidad and maybe it's only three songs I I guess Sony 3, really, Christmas songs. I like those, and I try to find different covers of those songs, and that makes up my Christmas playlist.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think... Now, I should take it back. I have heard Christmas music this year, but I have not played Christmas music this year, either through TV or somebody playing it in their car when they drive by or something like that, but I have not played it on my own. But yeah, I, I think it would be a good... Nice little holiday cheer. Maybe when I put up my mini tree, it's like only a four foot tree and it's pretty easy to put together. I did get some like lights or whatever, but yeah, so it's not, it's not like a massive tree. I could probably knock it out in 10 minutes, but Hey, that, that's like what? Two Christmas songs.
1: Yeah. it Unless you do that thing. I always see it in movies and TV shows. Have you seen it where it's like people stringing popcorn? and they put popcorn on in their tree. I've never seen it in mm-hmm. real life, but I've seen it. Maybe you could do that, string some popcorn together. It's like eight songs.
0: I've never seen that done in real life either. I don't know if that's like an actual thing or maybe it was something that was done like 70 years ago, but it's just kind of become a, a trope that everybody still follows. But yeah, I, I don't like we've never done it. Um But and I don't know anybody who's ever done it, and so yeah, I I don't even know if that's a real thing.
1: Yeah, I've been to people's houses during Christmas time and seen their trees, and I've never seen anyone have the string of popcorn, but I see it all the time in TV and movies.
0: Yes, that's I I like whenever I see stuff like that, not even just that, but just in general. I always assumed that maybe at one point in time it was a thing, or maybe it's like a very regional thing. Like maybe it's something they do in New York or California or whatever. And it's just not something that ever made its way over to Texas or the Midwest. So.
1: Yeah. And I've never seen. So I think I figure that it's you pop popcorn and then you kind of string it yourself because unless it is a regional thing, because I've never been to the store and seen like, Popcorn on a string for your Christmas tree. And if that's not a thing, then we should make it a thing. And next year, we we jump on the market of selling pre-strung popcorn for tr- Christmas trees.
0: But, you know, maybe that's the fun, actually, popping the popcorn and putting it up and whatnot. Like, maybe maybe you're just ruining the fun by buying the pre-made stuff. I don't know.
1: Oh, is it like a family bonding thing? Like, we sew the popcorn together and we talk?
0: Sure. Why not? Like makes as much sense as anything else. I don't understand how anybody else would just enjoy running a needle through popcorn. So maybe it's the, uh, the family bonding that makes it nicer.
1: Hmm. Mate that, that could be, then I guess I, I revoke my selling of the pre strong in honor of keeping families to have conversation.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of holidays, uh, Did you catch SNL this weekend?
1: Yes. Yes, I did.
0: There was one sketch that they did that was like, it's something that I've always thought about whenever I see those commercials and they finally made fun of it. When you see the commercials where it's like the family and the guy, the the man or the, the woman gives the other person a gift and it's a little box and they open it and it's like a Lexus key and they go outside and... There's the Lexus SUV with the little bow on and everybody's so happy. And I'm like, what kind of money does this family have? They could just buy Lexuses without consulting their spouse. And it's totally acceptable. And I, So I like that one sketch where they're like, I, this is a major purchase. I wish you would have consulted with me before you did this.
1: And I like how it takes the turn where the mom's like, we don't have that much money. You know, you've been unemployed since March.
0: Oh, no, it was COVID. It took care of me. You've been unemployed since March 2019.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it does make you real. Like, think about that. That a car is a major purchase.
0: The only way it makes sense is if it's, if you're so rich that dropping 40, 50 grand on a vehicle for a holiday on your spouse is not a big deal. That's the only way it makes sense to
1: me. So realistically, when we see those commercials, it should be like, Jeff Bezos or like Elon Musk giving I guess whoever they're with at the time a car and be like yeah this is like nothing to me yeah
0: it's like happy Merry Christmas honey I got you five years of debt
1: yeah basically
0: so you gotta make a payment for the next five years
1: and then like what if it's not the right car I mean there's a whole bunch of times where I'm like I like that car or that's cool but realistically i'm like i probably wouldn't want to drive that for five six years i just like it Mm -hmm.
0: i guess you could lease it but still it's not cheap either
1: yeah and then the bow on i'm always fascinated with the giant bow like does the dealership give you that or do you have to make that yourself or is there another company that sells giant bows
0: oh no there's totally a company that does nothing but giant bows
1: I, do you think they're just waiting for Christmas? They're like, we can't wait for Christmas when all these irresponsible spouses buy their loved ones' cars.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think it's the same company that prints those giant novelty checks.
1: Oh, okay. Makes sense. That that company's like, we're waiting for fundraisers, spouses buying their car, their significant others' cars on Christmas, and rich people's sweet 16s.
0: Exactly. That is their entire bread and butter.
1: Oh, man. Oh, I kinda miss that show thinking about Sweet Sixteens, that MTV show. Was it my super sweet sixteen or something like that? Yeah. Oh, it just it it's very like it grounds you when you're like, Oh, I think I have problems and you see how these other people react to their small problems, and you're like, My life is good. Mm-hmm. I think I think we need more of that. Yeah, bring that show back to lift our spirits. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I guess we can try to lift everybody's spirits talking about Full Metal Alchemist. I'll definitely lift mine. this year. This yep. this time around was not as grim. So hey, that's the start.
1: Yeah, yeah, but not not devoid of action though. Yeah, there's a few things that went on.
0: So let's jump right into it. So let's see, today is episode 17 of the podcast. Man, we are we are just running right through this. Uh, we're going to talk about episode 32, The Führer's Son, and episode 33, The Northern Wall of Briggs. So let's first talk about The Führer's Son. <clears throat> so the brothers are searching for Xiao Mei because they figure if they can find the cat, they can find Mei Chang, and then Mei Chang can tell them all about Alka history and Alchestry could, one, give them an ability to fight against the homunculi, but then two, maybe give them some answers on how to get their bodies back. We then see a transition to a train station where Mei Chang is, and she's walking around with Xiao Mei, and they bump into this elderly woman and they have a brief conversation, and Mei Chang mentions that she's from Xing. The lady notices Xiao Mei as Mei Chang boards a train with a guy who's in kind of a robe or a hood or cloak whatever you want to call it and then we kind of glance really quick to showing scar trying to escape underground with another cloaked man we jump to see kimberly in central and he is with his team trying to figure out where scar may be headed we they determine that scar is heading west and so they start asking getting the people who are stationed in the western area to kind of give them some intel we see Kimberly getting ready to head west as well to get gather that intel in person, and then Kimberly walks past the old woman that we saw in the train station earlier. And as she passes by, he kind of notices that she's suspicious, but he doesn't really care because it's not his concern. We see Mace Hughes' is grave, and what Mustang is standing there and waiting. The old lady shows up, and they just have a quick conversation. And then all of a sudden, Mustang's able to put together that the old lady is actually General Grumman in disguise. General Grumman says, you know, hey, I know you wanted to meet in front of Hughes' grave, and since you sent a secret message to get me, it must mean that this is very confidential, so I figured I might as well wear a disguise. So they start discussing a little bit. Mustang kind of brings Grumman up of everything he learned, such as uh, the, the senior military all being in league with this, Grander homunculi or grander creator of the homunculi, as well as the Fuhrer himself being homunculi, and pretty much everything the government and the military is doing is being orchestrated by somebody higher up. Uh, so basically, nothing is as it seems. Grumman brings up that General Raven asked him if he'd be interested in a corps of immortal soldiers. Grumman responded by saying, hey, immortality is impossible, so whatever. And this effectively resulted in Grumman being transferred to East City and effectively being demoted. They then talk a little bit about Lior and how Full Metal was able to expose the False Prophet and everything, and that naturally caused a little bit of an uprising. Then the East soldiers got involved, and they were able to kind of, you know, slow things down and kind of calm everything down and get a, get a good control over everything. Then Central soldiers showed up. They dismissed the East soldiers, and things just escalated from there. And it just became bloody. The fight became terrible. It was just a mess. Not necessarily to an Ishval scale, but pretty bad. The, uh let's see, so from here, Mustang is trying to get Grumman involved because Grumman would be a useful ally in this issue. Obviously, he doesn't have a lot of them, and then the few allies that Mustang did have were all distributed to different uh stations, so Grumman might be one of the last senior people he can trust. Grumman is now kind of happy to hear this because he is looking for a chance to kind of shake things up, and this is finally the opportunity that he has. As Grumman's getting ready to leave, he notices a picture of Xiao Mei that Mustang is carrying. We join the brothers at the archives. They are trying to learn more about alchemy. They've kind of given up on finding May and said, "Hey, maybe there's just something documented uh, that we can just read through or get some information or at least get a clue." We see Armstrong kind of sneak up on Ed, and Ed falls back, but then Armstrong tells him that he's there to run an errand for Mustang. Apparently Mustang heard from somebody, we know that that somebody is Grumman, that they saw Xiaomei with a girl heading to the train station, and they were heading in the direction of north. So the brothers are like, oh, cool, that's great. Well, Ed's like, hey, that's great, that gives us a clue. All we have to do is head north. So we then jump back to Scar. Not much happens. Scar pretty much gets quartered on a bridge. So there's soldiers on either side. And he jumps onto a train as it's passing by using the smoke of the train as a screen. Uh, Al is back in the laboratory or the archive researching Alka history. And he runs into Selene Bradley, uh, the Fuhrer's son. Alphonse explains to Salim that he is trying to learn alchemy because of its medical usage. Obviously, that's not true, but he didn't want to tell the little kid that he was trying to figure out a way to fight homunculi or get his body back. And, of course, Salim is just super excited because he knows that Alphonse is the brother of the Full Metal Alchemist, and he's just a huge fan of the Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, Edward runs towards Al to say, hey, we've got this lead. Let's head out. And Salim is just super excited to meet Edward. And he calls out Edward for being small. And, of course, this pisses off Ed. And he kind of makes a threat towards Salim, not realizing that it was Salim, the son of the Fuhrer. And so, obviously, this results in Salim's guards pointing guns at him. Well, Salim calls them off and says, hey, this is fine. The brothers are invited to Central Mansion and are waiting with Salim and his mother, just kind of chatting because Salim is just a huge fan of Full Metal Alchemist. The brothers wanted to kind of figure out what kind of man the Fuhrer was uh, in terms of being a father and a husband. So they just kind of ask a few questions back in here. Salim is adopted, we all know, as they couldn't have their own son. He says that his father is cares about his country, works hard, all that good stuff. Then, of course, the Fuhrer himself comes in, and they kind of have a little bit of an amicable talk, but they are kind of confused because, hey, how can this monster also have a normal life kind of thing? Brothers then depart for the north. We see Scar now sleeping in the train car with his uh, companion. It jumps to morning, and the soldiers raid the train to find nothing. Kimberly posits that Scar must have jumped off the train when it took a curve somewhere. And the episode ends showing Scar running through the woods. And then, of course, we get a post credit scene where the brothers are on a train. They're kind of talking about how excited they are to go up north and see snow and everything. And that kind of ends our episode. Uh, So I guess we hit that. So what are are your thoughts?
1: I definitely like how... Peter Bradley's son is such a fanboy of, I guess, I don't know if he's a fanboy of all alchemists, but he definitely is a fan of Edward, our full metal alchemist. So much that he knows who his brother is and kind of the backstory of Ed. Not their backstory, but how he gets angry when people call him small and such. So I really enjoyed that part.
0: Yeah, and that he was the youngest state alchemist ever. That that part was kind of cute, just seeing them getting all happy and excited and everything. Uh, you know, be, it, it definitely was him fanboying over Ed. And you don't really see that happen all that much, just in general. Uh, you do see some people who are like, oh, that's the full metal alchemist or whatever. But just t- aside from like Mei Chang, you don't see a ton of fan fanboying, or I guess in her case, fangirling over Edward. So that was kind of fun to see.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed kind of seeing that and that led us into uh, the brothers going to Fear Bradley's house for tea. It felt so formal them going over there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a casual visit. It almost seemed like uh, after Ed threatened threatened him that the guards took him to their house which is weird if you threaten someone usually you don't want to take that person to where you live
0: yeah that is a very interesting choice that the guards made like hey you threatened the you threaten this family so let's take you right to them
1: it was and it's a, uh, I i know it was trying to give us a a glimpse of like Uh, Bradley has a family too and there's this other side to him but it just felt so rigid to me like it wasn't like we see pictures of the family together and the house is kind of very homey it almost felt like another office in the in central
0: it kind of did though maybe they were just like in the sitting room or something so they weren't in the main like living area or anything maybe but yeah it did definitely feel like a they're sitting in like a waiting room or something like that. Like they're waiting to get their teeth pulled by the dentist or whatever.
1: Yeah. And it then, yeah. And Bradley comes in and he's kind of like, Oh, what'd you expect me not to have a family? Or there's people waiting for me to come home too, just like you. And it makes Ed think about Winry and all the people back at home. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it just it just didn't, I, I understand where they're going with it, like, Bradley has a family, too, but it just didn't mm-hmm. connect for me that there. it's, like, parallel.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. Bradley, it did seem kind of fake a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just because of what we know, you know, like, because we all know that he wasn't, uh, he's not a good guy, really, deep down. That it makes us like more suspicious, if you will. But yeah, it's just it just doesn't feel it felt awkward, I guess.
1: Yeah, a part of me wanted to be That
0: whole interaction. Yeah.
1: Like a part of me wanted it to be because Bradley brings up that their son is adopted, and his wife says like they tried to have children, but they couldn't have children, so they ended up adopting. And there's a little bit of me that wants to be like. Oh, maybe Wrath wants more than whatever father's plan is. That he wants to be human. Or like um as we see in greed, how their two are fighting each other for who is dominant. Maybe who Wrath and is the person's item Bradley? Is that his name? Or is it like someone else?
0: Uh no so Rath and Bradley are the same person. Um Rath is like his homuncular name and then Bradley is like the name humans regular people know him so by. So we
1: don't know what his name was before he became.
0: No, cuz he even says that he didn't know what his real name was uh beforehand. Like he just had a number and then once he once like that that experiment succeeded and they injected him with the philosopher's stone. They, that's when they kind of gave him the name and they said, you're now Fior King Bradley or something like that. So every it's like everything about him is fake. Like he granted everybody who was part of that program was fake too. They purposely were trying to create a, a leader for the country, but really just to be kind of a puppet leader, if you will, because they don't really have any power if you you know they're, they're just they're just there making things look good for Father.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's a piece of him like the humanity side where he longs to have this normal life or not longs to but there's that little bit of human in him that's like you need to have a family and you need to have a child and that's kind of why he's assembled this and like not that he's losing control but maybe there's like a little bit of him that wants the humanity of it all.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think there is a part of him that definitely does want to be human, or at the very least wants to keep images up.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean, this episode is called The Fear's Son, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So it just, I don't know. I guess it could just all be a big uh, con, this family, just to keep up appearances. But I do believe maybe Wrath wants something different, maybe unconsciously doing this because he it doesn't seem like he's a very stoic father like very away from his child the few interactions we've seen with his son he's been very like hands on and very like tell me about your day or read your essay or um, I want to the little time we have together I want to hang out with you even though at the end of uh, this meeting they had when he leaves his son gets very sad like he's always working
0: yeah, there is that part too. It is just weird seeing this villain who is a normal, or who is a villain and nothing about him is normal, just kind of have a somewhat normal life. It is very weird.
1: Yeah, it's it. It's almost meant to throw us off. Like, we want this thing for him, and we want him to kind of... We see him with his family, so we want him to, to switch sides, but maybe it's just all to... To put this front up so to disguise his real plans, because maybe he's just a homunculus, like with no real purpose other than to fulfill father's orders.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like they mentioned, the son being adopted makes you kind of wonder. And he says that they couldn't have children of their own. So it makes me wonder if that's like a side effect of him being a homunculi that he's not able to have children. And as a result of that, like they had, they adopted a child just to help keep appearances up. Like, because what other than that, what benefit would he have for having a child, especially if he doesn't care about society and people or anything like that?
1: True, and I guess unless like he married his wife and they kept having children, and they couldn't, and he knows why, because he's this other being that can't have children, and she's just like, I don't think this is gonna work. We should adopt. If you I feel like at that point if you're having trying to have kids for a long time and one of you brings up adoption and the other one just shoots it down it's it might be a red flag.
0: True. That's a very good point.
1: But I think that's all one part of the episode and then the other part of the episode is General Grumman who at the beginning of the episode we see May bump into this elderly woman who sticks out way too much. And I would, at the end of that scene, I was just like, oh, just a weird elderly woman, I guess. And then we find out that that's General yeah. Grumman in maybe the worst disguise ever.
0: Yeah, I think like Kimley saw right through it. So, but I get he was just like, oh, it doesn't concern me. So he moved on.
1: Yeah, I love how Kimley is just like, I know that this is definitely something up here and person in disguise, but I don't care. I got my own mission to go with.
0: Yeah, that was pretty much it. He's just like, I've got my own things to deal with, so I don't care what, what this person's up
1: to. And that that also brings me up like, Kimly just got out of prison for murdering high-level officials. And now he's kind of mm-hmm. running his own task force.
0: Yeah, that is weird because you would think the soldiers would be a little iffy about that. But, you know, they're also probably just loyal to their job. So that's why they're going through with it.
1: It's so interesting seeing kind of these two different sides with uh, Mustang's team that he's put together. And it seems like they're always suspect of what's going on. They're kind of always have their ears to the ground. I don't know, is that the right saying or not, but they're always on guard. And then you see these other soldiers who are just kind of like, yes, we're we're on it. We're doing this. No one's kind of like, this is very suspicious that this murderer is now in charge of all of us. Yes,
0: that would be suspicious to me if I were in those same shoes. Like, who again he's probably been in jail for a while too so it's like who gave them the authority to let him out like what what is going on or is he is he actually all that loyal because I mean he killed commanding officers so yeah that is kind of
1: weird it it's interesting and
0: he, he's resourceful yeah
1: he I mean he's definitely the better i I don't know I guess he's very he's good at what he does Like, he's a good soldier, as what we've learned or what happened uh, in the war. He's like a great, you tell him what to do, he's going to do it, except, you know, we can't control what he does after.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also like that he, like, we, we see him using kind of like deductive reasoning to figure out where Scar is, thinking, like, oh, well, they didn't see him in the train. Well, this area is kind of curvy, so maybe he jumped out. That that was really kind of cool to see, you know. And I I don't think a lot like this definitely felt like a slower episode, but it I guess it felt felt like it was kind of just setting the stage for things to go like giving the brothers a reason to head up north and kind of explaining what Scar's doing. And then I don't know, I, I the the whole fear Sun thing was a little weird. Like it just seemed to throw things off in the episode. But by 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 no means was it a bad episode. It just felt a little different, I guess.
1: Yeah, I kind of was expecting more a uh, development with, on that side because of the name of the episode. But I guess what I got from this episode mostly is like Kimley is part of the system now, and uh, Armstrong has a sister. So that's kind of what yeah. I got. From this episode, because we end it with Armstrong giving the brothers this like letter. I mean, like, you give this to uh, another Armstrong up in the north, and we'll see how good it does with you. And I love his little wax seal. It's like him with the mustache only, or you just see the mustache. So it's pretty pretty interesting, but yeah, this episode was kind of just a. Here's a little bit of everything. You know, we get some Bradley life. We get Grumman and Drag teaming up with Mustang. And we get uh, Kimley chasing mm-hmm. out Scar.
0: Yes, exactly. We have all this stuff happening and I think it's going to wind up leading towards more, I guess. I wouldn't, I don't know. I hate using the term filler episode, but if they had to have a full filler episode for full metal alchemist, like, I guess this feels like it, like it was just connective tissue, just telling us where we're going next.
1: True. It is kind of, uh, it is trying to get all our characters into one area. Now that we're all moving kind of towards that same area. I don't know where Mustang is going. It seems like he's going to probably just chill in central for right now. But Kimley, Scar, the brothers, May, it seems like everyone's going up north. So. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see them. Ready to move forward? No, let's see. Let's go on.
0: I think a little more happened in this next episode the Northern Wall of Briggs. <clears throat> so. We catch up with Kim Leach, just hunting down Scar. Uh, he definitely seems to be a master at hunting. He notices the map and it shows some old roads heading north and south. So he says, okay, well, Scar could have only gotten one of two directions. So let's go and check these out. So they head to the one up north and try to figure out what's going on uh he notices that there is a cave in that happened on the ground so there's all these rocks and everything there and he can't yeah it, the the road is blocked but he notices that there's kind of transmutation marks on the rocks so he's thinking to himself oh like all right this this is uh probably somebody who knows how to destroy rocks could clear the path and then they could destroy the mountain to cause a landslide and block the path again and make it look like they didn't pass through. So he figures, okay, this is Scars doing. Scars headed north. So he decides, I am going to go up with them. All right, we're going to head north as well. The brothers arrive at the northern station. They see snow, and it really amazes them because it really doesn't snow much in Bull. They did reminisce on one time when it did snow. It does not snow all that much, but it snowed enough to make, like, you know, small little snowmen and everything but now they're seeing snow in just like large quantities so it's amazing them so they decide hey let's take check out this little town before uh before the Briggs train leaves because it won't leave for a new a few hours so he jumped back to the military office and they think they track down what train scar is on Kimbley decides that this is now his mission. He tells the guards to let him go and get Scar, so he goes solo. We then see Kimbley solo on a train, and he is starting to cat gain on the train that Scar is on. Kimbley boards the train. He walks around. Scar is nowhere to be seen. And then he approaches the man in the hood. So he's assuming this is Dr. Marco. As he gets to the man of the hood and he removes it, he realizes it's not Dr. Mark at all. It's Yogi. And this is a point where Scar ambushes him. Scar and Kimberly immediately recognize each other. Kimberly recognizes Scar as being one of the Ishvalans that he, he attacked. And then Scar recognizes Kimberly as being the one who attacked him and his family. Uh, this angers Scar, obviously. And then, of course, it only makes things worse because Kimberly just keeps poking the bear by talking about how much he enjoyed killing the family. Kimberly starts to realize that he may be at a disadvantage because he's been in jail for a while, so he's a little rusty on the fight, whereas Scar has been fighting nonstop since the end of the Civil War. At which point, Scar throws a broken pipe at Kimbley, which impales him and pins him to the back of a train car. Kimberly is upset that he has failed not once but twice to capture Scar or to defeat Scar, so he uses alchemy to cause an explosion that disconnects the car train so that Scar could not finish him off. Uh, this anger scar, because of course he had a chance to finally finish off Kimberly, but he couldn't. We then see the men in the train; they decide to stop because they realize, oh, we've lost some cars, and we need to check the integrity of the train. They stop the train. They go to the back and they see blood, and naturally they see Kimberly pinned to the train with the the, the pipe in him. Kimberly is angry that they stopped the train. He wants them to keep going. Kibblee has a really interesting philosophy around how, I guess, if you pursue death, you must welcome it. So he is not at all upset that he was attacked and he was injured or anything. Like, he thinks this is just part of the hunt. Uh, Let's see. So then we, we jump forward a little bit. Scar took Yogi to distract the military, while Marco is actually with Mei Chang. So Marco and Mei Chang are traveling by foot up north at this point and the snowy area, and Marco mentions that, hey, the uh, cold air is upsetting his face because he just had the uh, explosion or it's had that thing that Scar did to mess up his face to hide it, Well, he wasn't too upset because, you know, May was like, oh, I'm sorry, I tried to heal it as best I could. Marco is just like, hey, uh, this is, like, I deserve at least this for everything I've done. First, we join Winry as she calls to check up on the boy. She calls Central City and the person on the other end of the phone mentions that they are not around, that they headed north. Garfield, the uh, I guess the person she's the apprentice to, mentions that they will probably die in the north. Ed and Al hitch a ride on the back of a car to the northernmost part before they'd have to go on foot to get to Fort Briggs. The cart driver tells them to stay on the road as they're entering military land and they don't want to be killed, but then also warns them that they're... Automail may become a problem for them in this temperature. The brothers are walking through the snow and it's just starts to hit a crazy blizzard. They are uncomfortable. They can't see anything, but then they talk about how hey we can make it because teachers survived a whole month out here alone. While walking they run into what they think is a bear, but it turns out to be a giant man with this kind of chainsaw claw type automail. This man is military and he thinks that Ed and Al are, spy- are spies. Ed is unable to fight as his auto-mail has issues due to the temperatures. And the man grabs Ed's auto-mail by his, well, the, um, you know, the, the little claw arm thing and attempts to break it. Ed decides, okay, I'm going to use my alchemy to ruin your arm, but it doesn't work. Al then throws his head to Al- Ed. Al throws his head to Ed and then he uses it to jam the chainsaw and break loose. Well, soon, Ed and Al are surrounded by brig soldiers, and they notice a giant wall in front of them. When they look up the wall, a woman calls out from the top asking the the bear man, a buccaneer, what he was up to. The woman is General Armstrong, the sister of Major Armstrong. He tries to the, the brothers try to say, "Hey, we're military," and then I'm the Full Metal Alchemist. And she's like, "Hey, anybody can claim that they're that. What proof do you have?" The soldiers search and they find the letter with the seal from the uh, from her brother. And she just rips up the letter. She doesn't even bother to read it. She just says she trusts her own instincts. Anybody else's? She's not going to listen to what anybody has to say about the brothers. She's going to determine what their story is herself. They are brought into Briggs Fortress, and that ends the episode. So, what are some of your notes there?
1: I was hoping that Armstrong's sister would look like just a female version of him. So, I'm a little disappointed.
0: Yeah, she is like normal size. She's not giant like what we see with Armstrong. She's just like a normal sized woman. But then the other thing is that. She is definitely way harsher than Armstrong than uh Armstrong, the Armstrong we know.
1: Yeah, it's uh she is oh is probably the opposite of him. He is big and very loving and friendly, and she I guess because of the weather she's a she seems a little colder and she's more petite and she she has this fierceness in her eyes.
0: Yes, she is hardcore, Nick. She outranks him, too, because she's a general and he's just a major. So, I mean, she's older also is what they mentioned. So maybe she just had more time. But she's definitely more of a fighter than he is.
1: Yeah. And uh, this episode, finally, it gives me something I love to see in different animated shows is when we get to see our character go into a different kind of biome. You know, we see them in one weather setting and then we see them in another weather setting and they're wearing their outfit, but in like a different climate kind of thing. If that makes sense, we get to see Ed in his classic red jacket, but now it's made for the snowy weather. And I love seeing I'm a guy who loves a variant of something. So I like the winter variant of Edward.
0: Yeah, they definitely didn't have any of the military garb. So we see the other soldiers wearing blue. And then, of course, some of the soldiers are wearing white due to the snow and everything. But even like in Central, we see most of the soldiers, even Mustang and some of the others are wearing, you know, this blue military outfit. But we never see Ed in that. He's just wearing his own thing. So that makes sense why they would be like, oh, yeah, you're not really a soldier.
1: True, but I don't know, even know he was wearing blue or a soldier's outfit. They would believe him anyway, because you know, like she said, that uh, anyone could say that they're anyone.
0: Yeah, and then I think I think also like we saw how remote the the, the base was, like with the other bases in Central City and. East City and whatnot, they're kind of in the middle of the city, the bases. Whereas it seems like this Fort Briggs, first they have to take a train up to like the northernmost part, and then they have to get on a cart to get to this 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 road that they then have to walk to. So it's pretty remote. So I think they've kind of maybe created their own kind of culture where they trust people from the base, but anybody who's not from the base can potentially be an enemy, especially since they are on a border with their with their neighboring country. And uh, if I remember correctly, in one of the earlier episodes, they mentioned that their relationship wasn't the greatest with uh, with, with Drachma.
1: Yeah, it's just, it is a feat to behold this giant wall on a border. And it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's inhabitable. So are I don't know if there is a lot of invasion coming through because it doesn't seem like someone could last too long. Just in the the weather.
0: I feel like that's the only reason they have that base is to protect the board. Or the... the, uh, Is to protect the border. Otherwise, it is just like... (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think anybody would want to be there for any other reason.
1: Do you believe that teacher survived there for a month?
0: I think it's possible. She's definitely a very... Like, we know that she's a very harsh person. So I think it's possible that she could have survived that harsh weather.
1: I... I would love to see that backstory uh, and then I guess then we would find out who Teacher's teacher is which would be cool as well
0: could be possible that her teacher was just the snow like her just saying yeah hey, I'm going to deal with the hard stuff and whatnot."
1: I mean that probably is one of the the best teachers I hope that they're glad that teacher left them on that island and didn't take them up north and were like you gotta survive here and I'll come back
0: Yes, yeah, they definitely left. They, he left, or she left them in a better place. Like, granted, I would not recommend leaving, you know, I guess, what was a 9 and 10 at that time? 9 and 10-year-old boys on an island by themselves for a month without food or anything. But, you know, she could have done worse. She could have uh, She could have left them in the frigid cold.
1: Yeah, just that weather, it seemed tough. And I guess it, it does where on your auto mail cuz uh Ed was having problems uh using his uh not using his alchemy he was having problems with that but he was having problems with his auto mail cuz of the weather i assume
0: Yeah i think it it he mentioned how it was hurting him so my guess is like maybe the the cold like you know if you get like Like, you know how in the movies or whatnot, somebody licks a pole that's really cold and it sticks to their tongue and stuff like he he's got that metal part that's attached to his skin. So my guess is that it gets super cold and it's just hard to move and sticks to his skin, making it really hard to move. And it hurts if he does move,
1: which makes me think that I can't remember his name, but the other guy with the chainsaw arm, which is pretty cool. I mean very Ash Evil Dead-ish, but it it looked really cool. Like this chainsaw arm. His must be made out of something totally different for the weather.
0: That's probably it. Like I they definitely have people with auto mill. Like I don't think they just let people not have auto mill up there, but it's probably made out of a different kind of alloy or something. That's why they uh that's why he was able to just function normally.
1: Yeah, and that's probably why the guy Uh, the little cart guy leaving them was like, is your whole body made out of automail? And Al was like, nope, just armor. He's like, you should be good then. Because he knows that the weather, though a heads up would have been really nice. My guess is
0: he didn't see Ed's automail. He just saw that Al had the big body of armor and so he assumed, oh, maybe that's automail, but he didn't realize that Ed might have automail and that's why he didn't bother to say, hey, you might need to... uh, you might need to be a little more careful.
1: I guess so, though. If I was Ed and I heard someone ask, like, "Is your whole body made out of auto mail?" and then I, the, then your brother say no, and he's like, "Okay, you should be fine." I feel like that's a clue to be like, "Hey, is there a problem with auto mail?" I don't know. I'm again, I'm digging too deep.
0: It's all right. Sometimes it's fun to dig deep on things. I don't know. It's it's weird. Uh, to think like I guess maybe just not a lot of people go that far north too. Like it seems like all that's up there is Fort Briggs, so maybe that's why nobody ever warned them about. Hey, you should check out your
1: auto mail before you go up there. True, but I guess in, I don't know unless they station all those people out there all the time. Well, they were pretty close to the wall. Now that I think about it, they didn't know how close they were to the fort until yeah. the snow cleared up because. I At the beginning, I assumed that they got caught in the middle. But after the snow clears up, they're at the, the front door. So it makes sense that there be guards there.
0: Yeah. I, well, we also don't see really how far they've been walking or how long they've been walking. We just kind of see that they've been walking for a while and a blizzard happens. So for all we know, they've been like walking for three hours in the snow.
1: I did think at one point, Ed was gonna go inside Al's armor. I don't know if that's too weird, but I thought maybe the the elements were gonna get to him, and he was gonna have to like get in the armor. Is that weird? Uh,
0: no. I mean, because he's hollow inside. I don't even know that Alphonse would feel it. So
1: I don't know. I I mean, he's put May inside his armor, and other people. Um, that one uh, Chimera girl from a few episodes yeah. back. I don't know, but... I don't know, it just, sometimes it feels weird. I know they're not like humans, but it does feel like an invasion of space. But I guess Al doesn't really feel it that way.
0: I don't, I don't know, like, I th- my guess is he doesn't mind. It's like, if it's forced on him, he doesn't like it, like, when the they just jumped into his body, the, 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 homun- not the homunculi, the, uh, Chimera, but, like, he had no problem putting Mei Chang in there, and whatnot so i'm sure if like ed was super cold and was at risk of dying then he'd say okay yeah jump in here ed though i don't know if that would have been much better but who knows
1: yeah yeah true and then we have this all happening but then on the flip side we have the kimberly scar battle we've been waiting for for one episode
0: yes and it 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 was kind of disappointing that it ended so quickly
1: true but then kimberly does say like I've been at a practice as fighting wise for a long time, and Scar's done nothing but just practice in a sense of like him always trying to, him getting revenge is him honing his skills in a sense. So it does kind of make sense that Scar took out Kimberly so fast, but that was a like a finishing move, what he did. True. He did, uh, he.
0: He did just throw the the pipe at him and pin him, and I guess he was going to do what he normally does and touch him and blow him up and stuff. But Scar, or not Scar, but Kimberly, I think, wanted to fight another day, so that's why he blew it up and stuff. Like he didn't want to end. He didn't want it to end right there. Uh, but he definitely, you could tell from his his further conversation, he wanted to keep fighting, or he he wants to keep fighting, and he hasn't given up or anything. So,
1: but then we get that he's impaled to the back of the train and the conductor stops the train because they lose a whole like two cars worth of their train so he stops to go see what's happening they see kimberly impaled to the back of the car and kimberly just yells at them like who told you to stop why are you stopping the train you know you're not your orders were to keep going and then He goes off on this tangent about how people who are murderers must be close to death and death is always chasing you and how, how sweet it is. You know, like crazy Kimblee psycho stuff, but was Kimblee expecting to just ride it all the way? I don't know how much further they have to go, but was he just going to be stuck to the, I guess he is still stuck to the back car, but. Is this plan just to be driven all the way to the end? I feel like you would want to get some kind of medical attention.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I guess realistically, maybe that's the best thing for him because if they remove the pipe, he'll bleed out. So I, I don't know.
1: But also, he has two philosopher stones, like one with just a little power left, but one like fully charged one. I feel like. Maybe this is the moment you heal yourself. Yeah, I
0: guess so. I don't know. Like I don't know what was going through his mind,
1: but it it was very anticlimactic the battle because it ended so quickly, and we didn't really get to see. Uh, we saw a little bit of Scar, true revenge rage, but we didn't get like the full battle I was hoping.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can only hope that they run into each other again and get to do a larger battle. I mean, obviously they will because we see that he is he is dead set on moving forward and finding them.
1: True. And then this episode did something that, I mean, it was very small and probably not too important, but it did the fake out and it actually got me where I thought that it was Marco with him the whole time, but it was not Marco. And I was pleasantly like, "Oh, that's caught me off guard." It wasn't like, "Oh my gosh, twist!" But I was like, oh, good touche, show you got me."
0: Yeah, I think the uh, thought there, I think the thought there was that everybody would be expecting Scar to be with Marco because. Well, well, basically the evidence they found. They found the bloody body, the the head was blown up in a way Scar would have done, Marco's missing. So, yeah, I guess they figured, okay, Scar's looking for Marco, or Scar has Marco and they're traveling together or whatnot. Uh, So they would assume, okay, we find Scar, we find Marco. Uh, They probably have absolutely no reason to suspect that he's traveling with Mei Chang. So, yeah, just have that fake out where Yogi's actually traveling with Scar, but he's always wearing, like, a hood or whatever. And then that way, if they do get caught, they still don't find Marco.
1: I hope yoey's okay. It seemed like he got blown, like, blasted away. Not like an energy blast hit him, but kind of the force of it threw him out. So I hope we find him. He's He's been growing on I me. Mean, he's a very interesting character.
0: Yeah, he is definitely... I don't know. Like I like him, but he's de- it takes a while to get to like. He's like an acquired taste.
1: I think I'm I'm more fascinated. I'm wondering what is his relationship with Scar? Like why does Scar like him so much? It's like is he kind of like a like a cat to him? Like oh, the stray state alchemist, he's corrupt. I'm going to keep him as a pet.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just like whatever. Maybe he figures there's something useful to him, like he knows enough about the military to be an ally. I don't know. True.
1: It's just, uh, it's interesting. And he's kind of, he does his own thing. He's he's there, but he really is like, when he needs to bounce, he's like, I'm out of here. And then he'll, I'll rendezvous with you guys after this fight. So it's, it's pretty, it interests me where he fits in with this, This group of Scar, May, Marco, and him.
0: Yeah, he seems to be the only person
1: who's just kind of tagging along. Yeah,
0: he he doesn't seem to actually have a purpose. He's just, like, tagging along.
1: True. Uh, Well, I guess his purpose came in this episode, whereas to be a decoy.
0: Yeah, I guess that would probably be it. Like, he is. uh, That's pretty much the only thing of value he's done so far is be a decoy.
1: And then we get to find out that Marco is actually with May, and they're on foot. Or... They weren't always on foot. They were on train, but, you know, going two separate ways. And we see that Marco's with May and they're now on foot. And we get to see his face. And he's he's talking about, my face still hurts because uh, it's still healing and the wind hits it. It stings and May's apologizing. She wish she could have done more. And Marco is like, no, I deserve this for what I've done. I know Marco has done pretty horrible things, but I really want a redemption arc for him or some kind of redemption for him. I think he deserves... He's trying to make amends.
0: Yeah, I think so, because he definitely seems to have acknowledged what he did was wrong. He also seems to like not be happy with it. Like He was just following orders, and once he realized what he was doing and how terrible it was, that's when he left the military.
1: Yeah, I just... He seems... Repentive to me and he seems to have understood uh the what he's done and kind of what it's led to and at what cost it took and you know him helping that village out with uh, i mean with the philosopher's stone but what are you gonna do you already created philosopher's stone at least you can do good with it he's trying to do what good he can so i hope he, even if it's in some kind of last-minute thing, I hope he gets some kind of redemption. Yeah, I agree. He definitely
0: needs a redemption.
1: But now everyone is up north, so I'm excited to see kind of what's what's going on. Are we going to get a new team? Because we kind of met some new soldiers. And are we going to form a new kind of little group, like a second squad?
0: Yeah, maybe. Because, you know, Ed and Al, they're in the new fort, and they're away from uh they're away from mustang so they don't have that line of support they're with completely new people that they probably never met before and then we also see that scar and yogi and marco and what's his uh, and uh chang are headed up north as well so at some point they're going to cross paths so and of course kimberly's on his way up there as well so and he's working for the monkey so who knows what's going to happen next so yeah i think there's we're going to see some kind of allyship come up
1: i i'm excited to kind of I'm excited for some fresh blood, some new characters to to kind of spice everything up and uh, to take us to a new the next level.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to see what winds up happening. But I think this definitely felt like less of a filler episode than the previous one. But it's a, it definitely did seem like a lot of exposition and just kind of setting the stage for things to come.
1: Yeah, I felt like last episode was getting all our characters up north. And this episode is introducing some new Yeah, characters. exactly.
0: Like, the last episode was giving them a reason to head north, and then now they're actually there. And, okay, now they've gotten, or they're close to, or they've got to their destination, so let's see what happens next.
1: Yes. Oh, and my final note on this episode is, I think it was last episode where I said that one of the characters reminded me of another character from an anime called Fairy Tail, uh Master Bob. Well, I changed my mind. We get to see Winry's boss again. And seeing Winry's boss definitely reminds me of Master Bob.
0: I have not seen Fairy Tale in a while, but I think you might be. I think I get what you're saying, though. Like I think I remember who Master Bob is.
1: If you, when you finish Full Metal Alchemist, I recommend Fairy Tale. I, I that's probably one become one of my favorite animes as well. But this character just reminded me of Master Bob. I just wanted to point that out.
0: Yep, and it's done too. Fairy Tale, I believe, is done, so you can like just binge right through it. You don't have to wait until they release new episodes or anything
1: yeah i think it's uh nine no i want to say more than nine seasons but it's like two movies nine or so seasons it's good they fly by real fast
0: yes they do it's always nice when you can get a, a series that's already done because then you can just go right through it and not be like, oh, now I have to wait half a year. Like that's how I feel with uh, with Seven Deadly Sins. You get done with twenty four episodes and you're like, okay, now I have to wait another year for them to make the next next group.
1: So, true. Sure. That's how I'm feeling about Attack on Titan. I didn't watch the last season and I hear that this season is going to be their final season, so I'm gonna just wait for it to all be over and then I'm gonna binge it all
0: that might not be a bad especially if you know this is the final season just yeah wait unless you have friends that you like to talk about the stuff in real time otherwise yeah just wait until it ends
1: true but yeah those yeah that's kind of my thoughts on this episode
0: same here uh, i guess that's that for this and i guess we hope to see you guys next tuesday and you listen to this episode when it drops at twelve thirty uh, pacific time And yeah, uh, thanks for listening. And as always, I've been Jason. Jimmy. Have a great day.
1: Bye.